Hi, this is John Leahy, host of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning in to the podcast on a weekly basis. I truly appreciate my great audience. I'd also like to encourage you to consider subscribing to the podcast. We're on Apple and Spotify and virtually any place where podcasts are heard. So if you like the content, please consider subscribing. I appreciate it once again. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I'm John Leahy. Thanks so much for being with us here on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. We replayed an episode with Philadelphia Flyers public address announcer Lou Nolan that I had back in July, and that was a great time. If you'd like to check out that episode or any other episodes that we've done, please head on over to LeahyStorytelling.com. All of the episodes that we've done are right there on that website. You can find a blog, a video area. Uh, you can also rate particular episodes from zero to five stars. And also there's a way to leave me a voicemail. There's a purple microphone at the lower right-hand corner of each page. And also uh, my website links right to it at johnrlahey.com. This podcast directs directly links right to the website. So we've got the administrative stuff out of the way. We're going to talk some college hockey this week. The women's uh, Hockey East playoffs getting set to get underway tonight. Joining me is Paige Capistran. She is a, a former player at Northeastern. She's also done some reporting work for Ness and Paige. Thanks so much for being here. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. It's the most fun time of the year. Oh, it really is, isn't it? Uh, playoff time. That's all you really have to say. Um, but I wanted to just touch a little bit on your background, Paige, for those that may not be familiar with your uh, work in Hockey, you played at Northeastern, 145 games there. You were the team captain in your senior year. Uh, so you have a lot of experience with Hockey East and, and uh, playing at Northeastern and Great Matthews Arena. Uh, talk a little bit about your the fun time you had playing at Northeastern. Yeah, I mean, I loved playing for Northeastern. My four years there were just such a blast. And when I got there, um, we... Northeastern wasn't like the dynasty it became yet. Um, actually, I was on the team that Northeastern, the last team Northeastern lost the Hockey's Championship. So my freshman year, we lost to BC in the Hockey's Championship. And then after that, the Huskies have been winning since. I mean, this year's a very different year. 
but for the last six years, um, yeah, Northeastern, they just, the program has been unbelievable. Coach Flint does a really good job with the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, I just, I loved it. I love Matthews arena. I loved the teammates I had being the captain was like the biggest honor I've ever had. Um, my senior year was the COVID year. So we weren't able to finish. We were about to play Princeton in the quarters and we were really good that year. I swear we we're going to win the whole thing. Um, <laughs> the frozen four was supposed to be at a Gannis, but yeah, overall, I can't say enough good things about being a Husky. Well, you played in one of the most venerable arenas in the world, Matthews Arena. A lot of great memories there. I know I've done my share of games over there. And uh, I guess the building is a little bit in a state of disrepair now. They're thinking about how they're going to go forward. I know. I mean, it it really is so old, but it has so much character in there. Um, it does look like it's falling apart, but I mean, the ice still looks good. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I loved playing at Matthews. It's just such a cool rink. Mm -hmm. You uh, were the first Northeastern player to win the Hockey Sportsmanship Award. What did that mean to you? It was an honor. Um, I was happy I could represent the program. Like when I won that award, um, it was senior year. It was when I was the captain. So I just figured if they gave it to the captain, then obviously our team's doing something right. So yeah, it was a huge honor. Um, and I'm just happy I could represent Northeastern mm -hmm. in the way I did uh, senior year. But that also like just credit to my teammates because if like they're not respectful and all that, then I don't get that award. So I feel like it was just another like team team award that year. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you were drafted also 30th overall by the Boston pride in the 2020 NWHL draft. So again, that I'm sure was a significant part of your hockey career, wasn't it? It was really cool. I honestly, like senior year at Northeastern, I was planning on that being my final year playing hockey. Um, all year long, I was thinking like we'd win the national championship. I'd hang them up on a high note, but obviously with COVID and all of that, like I had nothing else going on really. And when I found out the pride was interested, um, I figured why not like what an opportunity. So yeah, I played for two more years uh, for the Boston pride, really cool experience. Um, and yeah, I'm thankful for that opportunity as well. Absolutely. Well, Paige, uh, we're going to talk about the hockey's playoffs here shortly, but before we get to that, I think we should really touch on the bean pot because it was a historic year for the women's bean pot. They get to the TD garden to play the championship game after playing the opening round at Harvard. Uh, really it, it's a huge, huge uh, boost to women's hockey, right? To have it at the garden now and uh, Northeastern won the championship. All the games were exciting. Uh, talk about the meaning of now, uh, what it means for women's hockey to have this at the garden and potentially going forward at the garden. I mean, that night was so cool. Like when I think about it, I still get chills before the game even started. I just like took a moment and like looked around in the stands and was like, Holy moly. Like this is so cool. Like 
I was just so happy for the women on the ice that got to play in that game in front of all those fans. And I mean, the crowd was so into it. I like still can't get over it. Like that is so cool. And like me at Northeastern, like my favorite game was a beanpot game that was at Walter Brown arena. Mm -hmm. And I think there was like 1700 people at that game. And to me in that moment, it was really cool. So to think of what this experience was like for the players who got to experience it in front of 10,633, it really is just so awesome for the game. And I think it's something that no one expected. Like when we found out that it would be at the garden, I know a lot of people were nervous of how many people would show up to support the game. Um, so it really did just like, it was just so cool. And for the future of women's hockey, this, like it, this needed to happen. And it, I'm just really happy it did. And like, it goes like so much further than just um, like the current athletes, like this will be really cool for like recruiting purposes um, for those four schools. So I would love if the bean pot could help women's hockey East, improve in the next how many whatever years um but yeah and I mean I talked to my former teammates and they said that they like literally could not believe it like during the anthem just looking around and yeah I just think it's so well deserved and I mean I'm a huge fan of the bean pot so mm -hmm. I loved it it was great you know, we had a chance to talk to Dave Flint when Northeastern came to Merrimack. We asked him, what, what is the plan going forward? Are we ultimately going to have the bean pot, the women's bean pot at the garden uh, going forward for the long term? And I think that's the goal. That's what they want. I think what we need to have now is for the entire tournament to go to the garden. You know, they started at Harvard, went to the garden afterwards. But I think ultimately, if we can get the whole tournament there, that would be great. I agree. And I honestly kind of like it having the women's before the men's tournament now. So it used to be the Tuesday night after the men right. played. Um, so I think with it being at the garden and it being like before the men, like in January, I think it's, I think it was a smart idea. And I know that like for the garden, that was kind of like the only option. So I think it worked in women's hockey favor uh, to get it bumped earlier, but I agree with you to have the, first to the first week of games be at the garden that would be even better was it extra special for you that northeastern wound up winning it oh absolutely <laughs> um i feel like broadcasting i've become like i know so much about like all the teams um and i do just really enjoy working hockey east games but like in a moment like that, I was in the stands as just a fan. I was very happy for the Northeastern Huskies, especially because some of them I played with like the fifth years were my freshmen. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. And the coaching staff just once a Husky, always a Husky. Absolutely. And there was an all female crew doing the broadcast and that was also record making. And I, we had, I had all three of the broadcast crew members on the podcast and, uh, 
they were very excited for that whole thing. And uh, I'm glad that we got a chance to experience it at the garden. Let's hope that it uh, continues uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, Paige, I'd like to move on to the hockey's playoffs. Uh, they are going to be kicking off tonight. There are two first round matchups. So I'd like to start with those and uh, we'll start with the uh, 10 versus seven matchup. You've got the Holy Cross Crusaders taking on the BU Terriers. Holy Cross won the regular season series two games to one. And the Crusaders are led by Millie Serum, who had 11 goals and 21 points this year. BU is led by a couple of uh, outstanding players and Lacey Martin, who picked up 27 points this year, and Catherine Foulem uh, with 22. Clara Yoon also 22 points. So how do you see this Holy Cross-BU series of breaking uh, this opening game breaking down? Uh, well, to start off, like just overall, not even just this game, I really believe anyone in hockey's can be anyone. Like if this has been such a funky year in the league that if a team doesn't show up for a full 60, mm -hmm. like they, like you just, every team needs to play a full 60 minutes in right. order to get the W. Like it's so crazy how close all the teams are. But for Holy Cross and BU, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting it to be a really tight game, like all the games we've seen this year. Holy Cross, they're a really physical team. They like to pack it in. They mm -hmm. defend really well. Um, they make it, like, difficult for you to get to the net, which we saw in the other games that they played against BU this season. And for BU, their penalty kill is – off the charts, really strong. They're really aggressive on the kill. And they have some players that can make you pay if you make a mistake, like Lacey Martin on BU. She loves to shoot the puck. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure Holy Cross is going to keep an eye on her, like, and Catherine Fulem um, to make it difficult for them to score in the ozone. You know, I really love the goaltending matchup here, Paige. You got Madison Beck. But the Crusaders, her goals against is under three. The record isn't as good as she would want it, but an outstanding goals against average. And Callie Shanahan, we saw her a couple of weeks ago up at Merrimack. Again, she comes back from injury. She's got a 2.03 goals against average. This should be a terrific goaltending matchup. It should. And I know for BU, they're really happy to have Callie back. Um, she brings so much to the table for the Terriers. And then for Beck on the other end, like she's been – their go-to she has the experience she's used to stopping a lot of shots um and yeah that it's gonna the team in front of them both of them they're really gonna have to do their job and make it difficult uh to get to the net I know ex especially Holy Cross they really like blocking shots mm -hmm. um so yeah it's again just gonna be like what comes down to it is who wants it more um and who makes less mistakes yeah how advantageous do you think it's going to be for bu to have coach watchhorn who has playoff experience she's been at bu as a player takes over uh, first year as head coach uh what kind of an influence do you think she'll have on these terriers as we start the playoffs tonight i think a huge influence i know that just from listening to the players talk about the transition from coach Tara Watchhorn or going to Watchhorn after the legend, Brian DeRocher. Mm -hmm. 
they really have just been listening to her. They know that she knows what it takes to win championships and she has so much experience. I know that she's a big reason why their penalty kill has been so good. They actually call the penalty kill the uh, power kill. That's how like they their their mindset is being aggressive. Um, and her mindset is to be aggressive. So I think um, when you have a coaching change, it adds a little spark to a team, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, but with it being playoffs, I think that spark still stands for BU. Yeah, Holy Cross has a good coach too in Katie LaChapelle. She has been around the hockey world quite a bit. And uh, she is looking for the Crusaders to overachieve in this game, Paige. Yeah, and she coached at BU for a long time with Coach DeRocher. So she's used to – she's coached many games at Walter Brown Arena. Mm -hmm. um, so that one will be very interesting. But, yeah, she's a very, e like, level-headed coach when, again, for people I've talked to, she doesn't really ever get – like she's not one of those screamers when mm -hmm. she's angry. Um, so she has a lot of respect from her team and she's just a very smart coach. She has a lot of experience. Um, she, again, like from, from coaching with DeRocher knows what it takes to win championships. So yeah, for it being a 10th and seventh seeded game, it's, I think it's going to be tight. Yeah, and I think the Crusaders are probably glad that they don't have to get on a bus and go to Maine or Vermont. They just jump on the Mass Pike and head uh, over to Walter Brown Arena. So the, the travel is better for the Crusaders. There was some question as to whether they were going to head up north. So let's take a look at the other first-round matchup. Pretty intriguing matchup. You've got ninth seed Merrimack taking on eighth seed Maine. Merrimack uh, had the upper hand during the regular season. Uh, two wins and one tie for the Warriors. Uh they bring Celine Tedenby to the mix. Uh, she's a former Maine Black Bear, came to Merrimack in the transfer portal. Uh, she's got seven goals and 21 assists. Mary Edmonds, a former Holy Cross Crusader, uh, joins the Warriors, and she put up 17 points this year. Maria Lindbergh is an outstanding freshman uh, with 16 points. And uh, Callie Hogarth has played in all but one of Merrimack's games this year. On the main side, Ida Coppola is a star for the Black Bears, 20 goals, 38 points. They picked up a transfer from Division Three, and Anne Frederique Gay with 28 points and another outstanding goaltender in Jordan Madison. So very intrigued about this matchup, Paige. Merrimack heads up to Orono. What are your thoughts on this opening round matchup? Well, the drive to Orono is my first thought. <laughs> um, yeah, right. I know Maine is definitely a team that I think uses – their rank to their advantage. It's, I would say Maine is a really tough place to play. Uh, if you're on the road, I, it makes me think back to when hockey East was the quarters would be a three game series. And I remember Maine upset BU at home in 2017. And mm -hmm. so just the history of Maine playing at home for the playoffs, I feel like they have an advantage. Um, but yeah, so just hockey wise, again, I would say Merrimack is a very physical team and they're going to want to use that physicality to slow down the, the superstars on the forward main team, like Coppola, Ida. 
um, and Frederick Gay, like they are some very dangerous offensive forwards that can make you pay if you make mistakes. So I think the physicality that Merrimack plays with, um, they're definitely going to have to really use that um, and shut down those strong forwards for Maine. And then Hogarth, yeah, like she's just been a rock star for Merrimack this year. And I know she's like a tall goalie, takes up a lot of the net. She uses that to her advantage. So for Maine, they're going to have to try and take away her eyes and get her to move laterally to put the puck in the net. But again, like I said earlier, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's going to be the team who plays a full 60 minutes and makes the least amount of mistakes because it's just a toss up with how close these teams are. So again, it's going to be a really good game. Yeah, it really will. And uh, the interesting thing about Callie Hogarth is she has played in all but one of Merrimack's games this year. That is amazing. And uh, the way she has really carried this Warrior team is something special. But uh, Jordan Madison, her goals against averages under two. So the Warriors are going to uh, have their work cut out for them to get pucks by her. Absolutely. And I mean, Maine is, I think the whole game is going to be really physical. Maine plays a physical game defensively as well. Um, and that is a reason why those numbers are good. Uh, so yeah, it's just, again, like the goals for this game, I don't expect them to be pretty goals. A lot of like just bodies in front, crashing the net pucks from low to high, get to the net pucks from the point. So yeah, it's just going to be a night, like a really good fun playoff hockey game a lot of emotion and yeah who who wants to play on Saturday so right so both of the winners from tonight's games will move on uh to the quarterfinals on Saturday the lowest surviving team will head to Yukon and the second the highest remaining seed will go to Northeastern we'll talk about that in just a little bit uh Paige we have a couple of other first round matchups to take a look at on Friday it's going to be the Providence Friars taking on the Boston College Eagles. That's going to be the 5-4 matchup. Terrific matchup here. Providence is the 5 seed. Boston College the 4 seed. Uh, the season series between these two teams were split right down the middle, 1-1 one one with one tie. Just saw Providence this past weekend. Uh, really, really hardworking team. Rachel Wise leads with 19 points. Lindsey Bachner with 18. Audrey Knapp with 17. Brooke Becker is a terrific defenseman, 16 points. Hope Walensky. Uh, 2.07 goals against in goal. But Boston College loaded with stars themselves. Uh, Sammy Tabor, 30 points. Sammy Smigliani, a transfer, 26 points. Abby Newhook with 22 points. Katie Pine, 19 points. You go right down the line. Molly Jordan has uh, been a terrific defenseman with 18 points. Grace Campbell, outstanding goaltender for BC. So uh, really a star-studded matchup here, Paige. Providence heads to the heights on Friday. Let's get your take on this game. Yeah, I mean, for BC, their young guns are just phenomenal. Tabor, Pellerin, they can really move. And I feel like they are a reason why BC had such a good season this year. They're freshmen. Um, and with that being said, freshmen, like there's nothing you can compare to experience. So this is 
they're going to be rookies in this first um, playoff matchup for them. So Providence could use that to their advantage, but Mm -hmm. Providence is also, yeah, like you said, a really hardworking team. Coach Matt Kelly does a really good job um, coaching them and with their systems and stuff. So just, and then when you think of experience with hope, she has ton of experience in net for Providence. So again, I think it's just going to be another back and forth game and whatever team plays the full 60 minutes and capitalizes when they have the opportunity, they are going to be the winner of this game. But I mean, four and five doesn't get closer than that in the seating. So it's going to be just a really tight, fun hockey game. I'm excited to watch it, but both teams, they've been fun to watch this year. Yeah, we saw Providence this past Saturday uh, up at Merrimack, and you know, Providence had uh, gone into a little bit of a skin, skid in terms of wins and losses, but they have taken points in every game going back a long way. So um, we talked to Matt Kelly before the game, and and the Friars wanted to finish strong. They had the shutout win at Merrimack on Saturday. Uh, and I think these teams match up extremely well. I agree. Absolutely. And the speed of the teams, this will be a really fast game. I'm expecting it. It It will. Now that game will be on Friday. That is a six o'clock puck drop, I believe at Conti forum. And, uh, by the way, all the games are on ESPN plus here in the first round. Uh, I haven't seen whether our Nesson schedule is out yet, so I'll, I'll have to double check that. But they will be on Nesson. They will be on Nesson. Okay. Yep. Uh, so let's take a look at the other matchup uh, on Saturday. Pretty intriguing matchup here. The uh, Vermont Catamounts come in as the number six seed. They'll head to the Whittemore Center to take on UNH. They are the third seed. Vermont won the season series, winning two out of three. Uh, Natalie Malinkova. What a terrific hockey player she is. Uh, 33 points for the Catamounts. Lily Humphrey with 22 points. Evelyn Blaise Savoy, uh, 21 points. And uh, Krista Parkin, one of the top defensemen in the league, 21 points. Jesse McPherson in goal, a 2.30 ERA. UNH led by Kara Judicus, had a very decorated career, 25 points. Shea Verrier with 23 points. Brooke Hammer, Annie Berry, also 18 and 17, respectively. Uh, Sedona Blair, outstanding goaltender as a freshman. 2.36 goals against. I'm really excited to see this matchup page, uh, Vermont and UNH. I could see this game going into double overtime. That's how evenly matched they are. I Yeah, I, I agree with you. And UVM, they're coming off a really solid weekend. They played extremely well against Northeastern, winning Friday, that last Friday night, and then winning in shootout on Saturday. Uh, they made it very difficult for Northeastern to – score they just played solid defensively and created offense um so they're getting hot at a really good time uvm and malinkova like she is one of the best players in the league she is such a dangerous player Mm -hmm. i feel like if someone who doesn't watch hockey came to a uvm game they would be like who's number 96 like (laughs) she's just a standout um whenever she's out on the ice and then for unh they they've been fun to watch this year and talking to coach Witt, like she just says how their seniors in their fifth years, the leadership they have, they just have made sure everyone's on board and they believe that they can beat anyone. 
um, on any given night. And I think when you have a team that wants it and believes in themselves as much as UNH, that's really dangerous for any opponent. Um, so UVM is definitely going to have to match the desire. I'm expecting UNH to start the, start the game with. Um, but yeah, UNH, they're again, a really physical team and they love blocking shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be, I'm expecting them to block a ton of shots with like against that first line for UVM, the Malinkova line. And again, I, I agree with you. This could go in deep overtime. Yeah. You know, and uh, you mentioned the block shots. I think UNH is one of the top in, in the top five in the country in block shots, but a lot has been made in the past about the Whittemore center and, and the size of the rink. Uh, do you think that's going to make any difference in how this game plays out? Yeah. I mean, I think since the ice at UNH has gotten smaller, it um, makes the game, you can use speed less to the, your advantage, but I mean, I think in playoff games, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what rink. I know I said the thing about Maine and that's an advantage, but when it comes down to it, it's about just like execution yep. and who who wants it and who can capitalize, especially in special teams. I'm a big believer that your special teams are um, what makes you go far in playoffs. If you mm-hmm. have a hot power play that, just helps so much and the PK you got to be on your a game. So the ice at UNH it's, I, I mean, me personally, I love playing at UNH. I think it's a fun rink. Um, that's where NCAAs are this year Yeah. Um, yeah. for the frozen yeah. four on the women's side. So yeah, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm also from UNH or from New Hampshire. So yeah, I'm a fan right. of the Woodmore center. All right. Great stuff. Well, we need to talk about the two teams that uh, earned a buy through to Saturday, the rest of the field. Let's start with the Yukon Huskies. They are the number one seed. They're going to face whoever the lowest seed is that comes out of uh, tonight's games. Historic season for Yukon women's hockey. Chris McKenzie, uh, who I think has to be a strong contender for uh, coach of the year. Yukon uh, just a ton of talent, especially on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, Jada Habish, 25 points leads the way. Uh, Corin Tormala, 23 points. She's been very consistent. Brooke Campbell, also uh, 18 points. Cameron Wong is one of the top defensemen in the league. But the thing that really sticks about, out about UConn, Page is they have two all-world goalies. Megan Warner, who is 12-1-1 with a goals against of one. And Tia Chan is 10-6-4 with a goals against of 1.43. UConn, I think, could be the toughest out in this tournament. I agree. And one of a saying that I love is offense wins games, defense wins championships. There and you go. Yeah. The way UConn has played all year long, they just are so smart defensively and take care of things on their own end of the ice. And that is the reason they won the regular season for hockey East, like they really just pay attention to the small details and it's the simple things that are so important defensively. And that is what UConn takes care of. So I know they 
they just make it very difficult for um, teams to score on them and having the ability to have two goalies to rely on that goes a long way. It's a long season, the hockey season. And if your team, if you have like one go-to goalie, it is a lot on her. So that's such an advantage for UConn um, to be able to play both goalies and have so much faith in both of them. But yeah, I mean, they just have really impressed me and coach uh, McKenzie, he just does such an awesome job. And I know his players love playing for him. Mm -hmm. And when you have a coach that has a relationship with the players, it just, it goes a long way. And I'm, I'm excited to watch UConn um, this playoff season and they, they really only need one goal to put teams away. Yeah. Uh, they have the, the sparkling new Toscano ice for them down in stores too, which I know is the fans are going to be excited to see a, a playoff game there. But another thing about UConn page, this is the least penalized team in the, in the nation. If you get a power play against UConn, there won't be many of them. So you better take advantage when you get them. Right. Yeah. And that just shows how disciplined they are and how like smart they are that, it's not a coincidence to not take a lot of penalties. It, and it also means that they're just great hockey players moving their feet consistently, um, taking less stick penalties. And it just shows the strength that the team has as um, just the way they carry themselves, not taking a lot of penalties. So mm -hmm. it's half um like smart and like staying disciplined with keeping your emotions in, but also just being really good hockey players. Mm -hmm. All right. So. The other team, the other team uh, are the Northeastern Huskies. Uh, the Huskies finished as the number two seed. They're going to face the highest uh, surviving team from tonight's opening round uh, players to watch Skylar Irving, 10 goals, 20 assists, 30 points, Peyton Anderson, 26 points. Katie Knoll, 25 points. Megan Carter anchors the defense. And what can you say about Gwyneth Phillips? A legendary career. 21-10-3 with a 1.2 goals against average. She is unbelievable. Like, I don't even know how to describe her, but she's just really has been the backbone, backbone for Northeastern. And she's such a competitor. So these are the type of games that she will shine in. And face it, Northeastern, they have not been scoring this year like we've seen in years past. And their record wouldn't be it without Gwen Phillips. And if they were able to pop a few more goals in, their record would be way better than it is now, um, like the amount of games that they've lost by one. So Gwen Phillips, she just does her job every single night and gives her her team a chance to win every single time she's in net. Um, so yeah, with that being said, offensively Northeastern, they haven't been the like goal scorers that they we've seen in years past, but they still have some really dangerous forwards. Um, Skylar Irving, she is so athletic, so strong, can get the puck to the net. In that first line um, for Northeastern, the Anderson, Irving, Nola line, they're just so smart, so much experience um, with them. And when you just think of the whole Northeastern team, uh, 
the experience they have knowing how to win the hockey's championship, they're going to have to rely on that. Um, but also go in, not expecting to win. Um, it's a different year for them. And I think they have a lot of pressure on them because they've won six in a row. Obviously they want that seventh. Um, but even coach Flint, he said, it's a different looking team this year. They're more of a blue collar team than years past. So Again, I'm really excited to see how they perform this playoffs. And yeah, it's the whole league. Everyone is its going to be who wants it more. Absolutely. And, you know, you take a look at Northeastern this year. I think by their own admission, they struggled quite a bit in the first half. And I attribute that maybe to adjusting to all the talent that they lost. Let's, let's face it, Northeastern lost more talent this past season than I think any other team in the country. So it was kind of a learning and a growing process. But what have we always said about Dave Flint's teams? They always seem to get stronger in the second half of the year regardless. And that's exactly what we saw. Exactly. And ever since, I would say their big turnaround was after they played UVM around Thanksgiving. The team really stepped up after that. And they've been playing great, um, honestly, until last weekend like the losses to UVM but they have been on a roll I think the bean pot really helped them get some more confidence um and just knowing that they can win games in crucial situations and coach Flint has just been saying they've been finding ways to win it might not yeah. be pretty but lately they have been finding ways yeah, it was strange to see the Huskies limited to just one goal this past weekend against Vermont. So uh, that's a credit to the Catamounts. But Northeastern certainly will be a dangerous team in this tournament. The Huskies will play at Matthews Arena on Saturday, and they're going to play uh, one of the two survivors from this opening round. Whoever is the highest remaining seed will head to historic Matthews Arena. Before we wrap it up, Paige, uh, I'd just like to touch on the PWHL. And uh, the Women's League just getting going here. And, of course, there is a franchise here in Boston. They play at the Songa Center in Lowell. Uh, I wonder if you could just comment on your thoughts about that league and the significance and importance of that for women's hockey. I think it is so awesome. Right now there's such a boom with women's hockey, with girls' hockey, and that league has, like, you can credit them to so much of it. And the games are so fun the hockey itself is the fastest women's games you'll you'll be able to see and the physicality the league has it is again the most physical games women have ever played there's so much physicality that it's also I think trickling down in the college level I would say this year hockey east is the refs really allowed the players to be more physical than years past and I think the way that the PWHL ha plays their games, it's just awesome. It's fun. It's fast, physical. And I think the players really are such role models for the next generation. And the fact that the little girls growing up now can dream of playing professional hockey with a solid paycheck that is so cool for the sport. And yeah, I mean... The Boston team, I've played with a lot of, well, the whole league I've played against um, or with a lot of those players. And I'm just really happy for them that they get to experience this. 
And yeah, it's, I'm glad that Boston has a team. Um, I'm interested to see if they'll stay at Lowell or if they'll be going to any different rink next season. But yeah, overall, it's just a great time for women's hockey. It sure is. Now, will you be covering any of the hockey's women's playoffs, uh, which start tonight? So I will be rinkside for BU and Holy Cross. And then I will be on color for the UConn game at one on Saturday. And then I'll book it to Matthews Arena to be rinkside that night. Oh, that's great, Paige. We're certainly going to look forward to your expert analysis. Where can people follow you to learn more about your work? Yeah, um, my Twitter is page underscore cap 21 on Twitter or X. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, catch the games on ESPN Plus and SN. All right, Paige. Well, it's been great having the opportunity to meet you and talk women's college hockey. It's going to be a terrific tournament. Gets underway tonight in Boston and Orono, Maine. Thanks for so much for spending some time with us, Paige. And uh, you're always welcome on the podcast here. Thank you, John. This was awesome. I'm excited to see playoffs, too. All right. It's Paige Capistran. She is our special guest on the podcast this week. Next week on the podcast, we're going to get our St. Patrick's Day episode going. Uh, we're going to have some uh, St. Patrick's Day music for you, live and homemade. That's going to be next week. We're going to get that done, and then in two weeks, we'll uh, preview the men's tournament. So for my special guest, Paige Capistran, I'm John Leahy saying thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Wearing It Out, files from Leahy's broadcast booth, and we will talk to you next week. Hi, this is John Leahy. Please check out my website at johnrleahy.com. You can explore the history of my time in sportscasting from my early days to the present. You can view my resume, listen and watch my audio and video demonstration reels, as well as learn about this podcast, my internet radio station, the Harbor Light Sessions Radio Network, watch my music demos, learn about my books, audiobook narration, and you can check out my event calendar. There's also an informational section with tips and tools in broadcasting, along with my personal influences and cool links. Check it out at johnrleahy.com.
the ocean in a silver plane See the jungle when it's wet with rain Just remember to your home again You belong to me Silver plane. See the jungle when it's wet.